Welcome to episode five of the National Running Pod Show. Here's what we've got coming up this week. Our headline interview this week is with the energetic Colin Jackson. The co-founders of Runner, the clothing brand, are here to talk us through their kit. Something slightly different in tech this week as we feature shocks. Set your sights on races abroad with Sports Tours International. All things gels this week in nutrition with Tom Hollis. And in advice, Arj is here to tell us exactly what a performance coach is. And of course, our amazing sponsors, Runderwear, are giving away yet another £100 voucher. So check out this episode and all the vouchers in the previous ones as well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the National Running Show pod show sponsored by Runderwear. Thank you very much for sticking with us. I cannot believe we have made it to episode five. Fingers crossed we make it to episode six. We shall see. <laughs> Today, we have Colin Jackson joining us as our special guest. But before we get into that, we're going to have a little chat about nutrition. Before we talk to the guys, um, please remember to use the to enter the competition for the Runderwear £100 voucher. Follow the notes in the show notes on how to make that happen. Or head over to the Runderwear website and use the code PODSHOW to get a 10% discount. So, we're going to talk nutrition, guys. I want to hear your number one thing for nutrition on races. What you got, Elise? So, when we did the National Running Show 2018, Mike made us run here from Birmingham. <laughs> okay, we need, to, we need to explain this a little bit more. So made. Tw- 2018 <laughs> was the first... I, I will give the background. It was strongly encouraged. <laughs> Slight pressure. <laughs> yeah. So, it was the first ever year that we ran the National Running Show. It was pretty damn cold, right? Yeah, snowing. Yeah, snowing really <laughs> badly. And we decided it would be a great PR vehicle in the week leading up to the run show to run from the Olympic Park in London to the NEC alongside a canal. And we did it over five days, I think. Yeah. And we was like, it was a marathon and a bit a day. Yeah. And we thought it'd be great to get a load of speakers and influencers to do it. Great idea. It wasn't a great idea, was it? <laughs> well, no. also, we didn't really get any Doesn't content like or anything. It, like, so it was just us going for oh, a yeah, run. We just ran. We didn't even post much about no. it. No one cared. It no. was, but there was, do you remember there was one other guy who ran from Wales to the show as well? Inspired. And he was inspired by He was the one guy who was inspired. <laughs> and he was posting pictures of him sleeping in like snow covered fields. Cause yeah. Is he the guy that's sleeping outside waiting for it to open? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's never left actually. Yeah, yeah, he now yeah. lives at the yeah. NEC. Um, but no, it was amazing. So. Okay, we did that. Everybody got injured. It was a disaster. Yeah. My foot looked like like yeah. a, an elephant leg by the time we got here. Um, we injured half the speakers, but it was a great bonding experience, right? Yeah, so I still had a like full time job then. I took a whole week off work for that experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we um, so Hannah and Emily from Twice the Health were there, yeah. and every morning at the breakfast buffet, they had this station out of Warburton sandwich thins. Warburton thins. And that, I think they have peanut butter and honey in theirs. And honestly, that is now my absolute go-to. So if, if I came round to your house for lunch and you gave me a sandwich in a sandwich thin, I'd think that's not a proper sandwich. Where's the real bread? But for no. running, it's perfect. Yeah. I get really bored of sweet things. So I always do Marmite or you can do cheese if you don't like Marmite or peanut butter and jam work if you do want something sweet. Doesn't matter if they get squashed because they're already flat. Cut them into quarters. Perfect little bite size pieces. And I really look forward to them. 
So I think that's really good because actually bread's quite hard to chew. Mm. Uh, and actually, people who do ultra running and um, will will tell you that as as the races get longer, it's actually quite hard to chew yeah. and yeah. and often to swallow. So actually, thinner bread. I use wraps and things yeah. like that, but it's very similar. So Warburton's thins, great tip. Yeah. Jamie, what you got? That is, that is <laughs> good learning. Um, dropping porridge. So what's, I what's dropping? Porridge? Yeah. So I used to eat porridge before long runs and yeah. think, you yeah. know, three hours before. I thought there was a get... special oh, yes. type of porridge. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get it from it's the porridge. Special it only comes from yeah. a distance. <laughs> no, I just dropped it out of my whole cycle of long running, and it transformed how I felt on runs, which is amazing. And this is, but that doesn't mean it works for everyone, yeah. like we said. But for me, it was. It, it just transformed how I, f I felt more energetic, yeah. I felt lighter, um, it was a hindrance to me. And what do you yeah. have now instead? So I've got energy bars and I j I'm a bit lighter, I'm going okay. in a bit lighter, so maybe a couple of bananas, um, a few nuts, nothing too so crazy. Lighter I think is really interesting, because when, when I started running, everybody told me to carb load. That's what I mean, yeah. and that's I'd what I mean. massively yeah. over yeah, yeah. and I'd get to the start line and I'd be yeah. like, Bloating, I felt heavy, and I get exactly what you mean. Hundred percent, and and so I started tinkering around with long runs, testing it, and thinking, right, how light can I go? Yeah. Before I actually like hit the wall or whatever on a long run, and so I was taking it back, taking it back, taking it back, and actually I've taken it back in it. You yeah. find that sweet spot. I didn't actually need half the yeah. amount of calories. But I would say jelly babies are my go-to on a on a big one. I do like a do like a jelly. See, baby. I don't do sugar. So this is where nutrition is really important because everyone's got their own thing. But exactly. For me, sugar. Yeah. If I, I what goes up comes down. So yeah. you end up chasing yeah. the sugar rush, right? I think right. I also think it's what's balancing what's nutritionally optimum with what like makes you feel good and what you'll actually eat so i just yeah. can't get through bars and stuff and the same as like yeah. if maybe that amount of carbs is good but if it makes you feel really heavy like i find in ultra stuff i as well as sandwich things do really well on quite like high fat foods like cheese salami yeah. i think we talked about that last week which nutritionally you'd say that's not what you need at all you need sugar yeah. and carbs but it makes me feel great i look forward to it i can eat loads of it get loads of calories in so i think it's worth well, balancing great. those things yeah cheese is definitely great from i had a burger so i did <laughs> i did the daytime 100 which is a 100 mile yeah. race in in america i did that last year and i got my <laughs> vegan crew member to get me a burger from a service station which was heated in a microwave and i swear on my life it was mm. the greatest thing i've ever put in my mouth it was flipping yeah. incredible yeah. and it just you eat what you feel at the right yeah. time right and, yeah. and in ultras you can generally eat like an absolute savage mm. anyway and get yeah. away with it yeah i think that's a different i think it's a different world yeah. A different world of nutrition. Yeah, because um, yeah, at the speed the, level, right, you've got to be really conscious. It's just tinkering, yeah. So, you, And I've done ultras, um, and coming to that potato with salt, oh, it's yeah. so good. Potatoes that was, with salt. Yeah, new, uh, new potatoes, boil them the night before, a bit of salt inside of a, like, just a, a bag, and then they're ready to go mm. in the morning, cold into the pack, done. Chuck yeah. it out here, guys. Yeah. I reckon next series of this, we're going to get sponsored by some kind of potato farm. Yeah. I think that's the way yeah. forward. Well, I, so is. I spend so much time talking about on hikes, I exclusively eat a cheese roll. I don't believe there's any place for a sandwich other than a cheese sandwich <laughs> on a hike. Like, nobody wants a delicious sandwich that's gone all soggy. Yeah. And then Katie Scheid, when she won UTMB last, uh, well, 2022 now, she said her race was saved by a cheese sandwich. And I had so many people message me, like, she, cheese You sandwich. saved her race. Well, it wasn't yeah, me, I mean, I think it's all down to you. But so. I got some free applewood cheese earlier this year. So <laughs> a potato 
potato sponsor isn't out of the question. Yeah. So guys, <laughs> if you know any potato sponsors, then send them our way. Um, so uh, thank you very much for listening to this. We're about to roll into our main interview with Colin Jackson. But ahead of that, please don't forget the Runderwear competition. Follow the notes in the show notes or head over to Runderwear's website and use the code PODSHOW. Right, over to <laughs> Colin Jackson. If you're looking for a bit of energy, then you're going to love this conversation between host Jamie and Colin Jackson. Hello, it's Jamie from Runderwear here, and now we're with our main guest interview for this episode, Colin Jackson. Thank you very Lovely much. Lovely to have you here, Thank Colin. You. How are you pleasure. enjoying the show? Do you know what? I'm really enjoying myself, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. I think one of the things you you, you got to get, if you're not really a, a, into the running community yet, is understand the passion of the people who are in the community. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They absolutely love every single element of running absolutely. and that, that's great to see absolutely and they're going around in every single stand mm. and loving mm. it and new things yeah. new tech asking Fantastic. questions you know you know where it can yeah. help them how would it help them yeah. and one of the best things as well i think is that everybody's at different levels yeah so there's not just yeah. a, a circumstance where everybody oh, people, oh yeah. this is just for the elite it's not just for the elite or yeah. if it's just for the beginner no it's not just yeah. beginners, it's for the community yeah absolutely and so your own running what are you doing these days well it's funny somebody just asked me about yeah. that just then they said oh do you do you have time to go out there and do run and yeah. i said well i have a 6k loop but when i say i've got, I've got a 6k loop which i can do three times a week quite comfortably yeah. for timing really basically, yeah um i do live on the coast so it's flat Ah, uh, where are you? Don't just don't be taking me up hills, right? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing to yeah, do with that. Yeah, yeah. Let me just stay on the in the coastline. So I'm in yeah. South Wales, just outside okay. Cardiff. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm when I say I'm on the coast, I am on the coast. Beautiful. So it's flat. And beautiful. <laughs> and beautiful. Yeah, I didn't want to put that in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want many people coming to visit. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Friends know where I live. I don't need them to come visit. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And so tell us a bit more about the Wings for Life World Run. Yeah, well, the Wings for Life World Run I've been involved with from the yeah. the very concept of. Uh, of the run oh, really? itself. So the oh, world okay. run itself is set yeah. up to raise money for the foundation, the Wings for Life Foundation. Yeah. And the foundation okay. raises money for spinal cord injury research. Okay. So as a run, we are the, the really the biggest fundraising tool they have oh, in that sense, where we kind of get across the globe, everybody yeah. can see what we're doing, what we're all Brilliant. about, and they yeah. can help donate to spinal cord injury research, which Fantastic. is great. So we're, we're slightly unusual as a run, yeah. um, because uh, you st it starts it's across the globe, so you have it on the app itself, or right. you can have some That's where you sign runs. up on the app. Yeah, you can yeah. sign up on the app, or you can sign up on the website, okay. either our website yeah. or the Red Bull website, yeah. you'll find us there. Brilliant. Um, yeah. And I say it was slightly unusual because you don't have a finish line. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this right. is starting to get a little bit yeah, complicated, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? You know, no, a Fine. race with no finish line. Yeah, okay. So the yeah. finish line comes to you. And the finish line we've called the catcher car affectionately. And the catcher okay. car starts 30 minutes after you as the runner. Okay. And when the catcher car catches you, it's yeah. the end of your race. So like if you're really good, and an ultra runner, for example, yeah. you could get 50, 60 kilometres in the bag. If you're like me, you may just get six kilometres in the bag. When you and if you're up. like my yeah. mum, you could get 200 metres in the bag. It doesn't really matter. That's a good the distance like itself it. is, yeah. is, is, is all yours. It belongs to you. So that's why we feel we're very much inclusive and we don't want people to feel intimidated. Brilliant. And it happens so it's a bit every of fun. year. Yeah, and it's, it's a bit, a bit of, fun. of fun. And, yeah. we can, and you, can, you know, I think... I like that. People always want to have a good cause. Yeah. You want to do something sometimes and be yeah. able to give. So yeah, yeah. if you can be part of it, it's always great. And, and it's an event now. It's happened May the 5th this year. So yeah. it kind of, and it's our 11th run. Brilliant. So it's kind of now kind of etched in, yeah. in, in people's mind. Yes, about in their diary. May, 
Yeah. Wings for lifetime. Yeah, brilliant. And the catcher car, does it pick up speed? It or picks it... up speed. So it yeah, starts okay. at 15 kilometres an hour and yeah. then it yeah. starts every 30 minutes to increase its speed. Gets a little bit harder. Gets a little bit quicker. Gets a little bit <laughs> That's quicker. That's where the fun kicks in. I think brilliant. after, once it sets off, yeah. I think after the, the second half an hour, yeah. um, that's when we start to, yeah. I use the word, Hoover, yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're backing up people Second. quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and where does it happen in the UK? So there's a couple of, of organised app runs, for yeah. example, and yeah. they are in Nottingham, they're in Coventry, they're in London, Manchester. Yeah. So those are where the organised app runs will, will take place. Yeah. But then you can also, because it is a virtual yeah. run as well, yeah. you can do the same run as the people at the big events, yeah. the global big events, on your phone itself. So you literally yeah. can step yeah, outside yeah. your door. And, and be it. part of the race. Fabulous, brilliant. Yeah. And so, Colin Jackson's life right now, what's it looking like? You've got this, what else is going on? Else? Yeah, do you know what? Um, my life isn't too bad. Ah, I can imagine. Well, probably from the smile on my face. Ah, I was going to say, say, you're not giving off that many negative vibes, yeah, so it's good. It must be like, good. Especially it's an Olympic year as well, yeah, which yeah. makes it very exciting in yeah. that sense, so yeah. that's always a great thing. Yeah. Um, I'm back coaching again now, which makes it okay. really exciting. Cool. Building towards the Olympic Games. Yeah. Also, there's um, there's a luxury of bit of pressure because you know when your athletes are, yeah. uh, are potentially going to be the Olympic team and yeah. you want them not just to make the team, you know they've got the potential to make finals. And yeah. Yeah, it gets a little bit. Exciting. That must be so nice though to give back and and for them to have someone with such experience like yourself just there as a kind of sounding board must be brilliant. I'm not sure if they do have any. Brian Jones are not using tech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he never wants that. Any of our business, but no, no, it is. It's a great fun. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's great, you know. And I and I love generally, yeah. you know, giving back as much as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always feel that in my career, people always gave time for me. Yeah. I mean, always. Yeah. You know, whether it's my coach, my parents, my friends, yeah. they always looked after me. They yeah. helped me get to the top. Yeah. My job now is to do the same. Yeah. That, that yeah. little bit of repayment. So Brilliant. I thoroughly enjoy that. Yeah. And getting to the top. I mean, for me you were at the pinnacle you were the leader in the world for a say, long time you want to say lucky you can say but you were and and the pressure i i want to know how do you deal with that pressure because you were there you were the person that everyone was trying to get to how do you how do you deal how did you deal with that pressure yeah i think when the target is it because you know i always say to people be careful what you wish for yeah. right so when you're young and you have aspiration you know you want to mm. be the best in the world of course yeah. you do yeah but you actually don't know what the pressure's like to be the best mm. in the world until it happens to you and remember yeah. there's only one yeah right so when it is actually you're, you're wearing that target you've got to wear it with pride so i think you've got to change your mindset first of all yeah um and understand that you're the person that people are chasing. Yeah. And also, you want to keep delivering what you're capable of delivering. So putting it so, in a box, in essentially. Yeah. So and you, say, as long as I do me, as long really as I do the well. best me, yeah. yep, the chances are yeah. the rest of the world will be trying to catch. So that's the way your kind of mindset was. And that's Brilliant. It. And also, enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's only a small time in your life yeah. that happens. Yeah. And adding to that, you've got to think, how many people in the world can actually say they're the best in the world of what they do. It's amazing. Not many. It's amazing. And then, so then the flip side to that that's interesting is when the new kid on the block does come mm -hmm. and you say, oh, hang on a second. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> he's really good. And he's a bit better than me. 
how do you how do you then deal with that? Like when you know you know you've been there, you've been at the pinnacle, yeah. and you're on the way yeah. on the way down. Do you know? I always reminded myself. So when new ones were coming, who were fresh, and, all, yeah. and I always thinking, I can remember when I was nineteen and twenty, and I'd look at people who are 27, 28 and say. I want to retire them, right? I want to be the athlete yeah. who puts you to bed, yeah. right? That's the one. I want to be that person. Not that you're competitive, obviously. No, yeah. not at all. Never have been. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, so I always, always feel that, okay, it's got to happen to me. So I'm yeah. quite a, a realist yeah, in that sense. you're philosophical about so it. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. it. It happens. Yeah, it's got to happen. Yeah. And just embrace it. And also, I also look back in history in a very much of a positive light and say, do you know what? I've done what I've done. That's great. Yeah. You know what? You, no one can yeah. ever challenge you for that because it's there. It's etched yeah. in stone. Yeah. So once it's time for you to move on, just move on gracefully and find it and find your other niche. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant. That's good. That's good. Let's head over to some kit chat now with the co-founders of Runner, the clothing brand, who are also getting involved in some awesome new initiatives. Hello, I'm Jamie. I'm the founder of Runderwear, and today we're with the guys from Runner, and we're going to be talking a little bit about their brand and a little bit of background. So nice to have you in, chaps. What's your names? And give us a bit of background to the brand. Uh, yeah, my name's Matt. Uh, yeah, co-founder of Runner. Uh, I've been running for uh, about over a decade now, doing various marathons and ultramarathons. Um, uh, yeah, that's me. And I'm Craig. I'm one of the co-founders here at Runner. Um, been running since teenage years, um, everything from park run, 5k, up to marathons and ultra marathons. Fantastic. And how did, well, when did Runner first start? And what was the, what was the moment? What was the genius moment? Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was sat on a train between uh, London and Manchester. I remember it quite well on a busy commuter train. I was daydreaming out the window, as you do when you sit on trains for a long, long old time. And um, I remember thinking, in this busy commuter train, there must be lots of people who are training from an event. I was training for a marathon at the time. And wouldn't it wouldn't be great to, be able to you know, just identify someone else who shares that same passion for running that, that I've got. And I was, I was genuinely, I was on my phone talking and, and not, like, tweeting to various people that were you know, connecting with people in, in the virtual world about running. I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if I could just identify? And you know, there might be someone sat opposite me or next to me, who, and then you can strike up that conversation. Because I think it, it, you find that there's a lot of people who are passionate about the same things you just ne- not, wouldn't necessarily know. And when you sort of find the people that are passionate about the same thing, then it, yeah, I think it's sort of really, really sort of uh, there's a spark and a connection between people. So that's where it started. And I thought I've said to Craig, wouldn't it be great if we could yeah, create an identity for runners that you know it, during the running, which we've got a lot of products that, that are now when you go for a run, but it's actually the sort of the, the outside of it. If you go to the pub or you go to the shops. You know, and everyday life. You know, how do you know that someone you might be sat next to shares the same passion? Really, so that's, yeah. that was the that was the moment that we just that was like actually there could be something there, and that's kind of where it started. Fantastic, with a bit of style, love <laughs> it. Yeah, and so uh, the hats, hats are going well. They look great. Talk us through the the little range and what you've got there. Yeah, so we when we first started Runner, we focused on the the clothing, so the the hoodies and the t-shirts. As Matt said, after a run, you go home, shower, change, put your runner kit on. And then as we've expanded, we've gone into, especially this time of year where it's, what, two degrees, one degree outside, winter headwear um, just is, is flies off the shelf for us. It's one of our most popular range of products. And then also over the years, we had people talking to us saying, look, we love your, your hoodies and T-shirts. We love the runner brand. We would love to actually run in your kit. So that's when we thought, well, running accessories is something we, that really appealed to myself and Matt. So we thought, well, how can we go down the route of headwear through running hats and running visors? 
So our biggest selling range of products is now our running headwear. Headwear. Yeah, hats and visors. So I, I think with all the all the products that we make, we we go with big big bold colours and and big logos on on the tops and on on the hats and stuff. And I think that really encapsulates people's passion for running. And I think people are quite proud of, the, of what they've done and, and their achievements, even if it's just you know, putting trainers on and going outside. Yeah, that's to, so that's quite an achievement. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, including myself, for a lot of, a lot of the time. But yeah. but also when you get to that that runner's high at the end of a race or an end of a training run, and you, uh, that's you know, there's a lot of emotion and passion. I think that's kind of what we're trying to build into the, into Absolutely. the big brands and big uh, big colours. Have you stuff. had any um, nice stories? I imagine you get some stories in to the office via email about people that have connected via the brand, like having that exact thing. Mm. They've been on a train or something. They've seen yeah. each other in the same and then struck up a friendship or anything. Have you well, had anything I was, like the, 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 the moment where we kind of thought, actually, there's like, there is something here. Craig and I were, were, were uh, sat down in one of our local uh, pubs, uh, very beautiful pubs, pubs outside on a summer's evening having a pint just discussing in the early earlier days of running I think we're wearing both wearing our original sort of runner t-shirts on and some guy opposite us um, you know uh, just, just said well what's runner is that running related and so we, we just explained the story that we just explained and we're in very, very early days in terms of the products um, and it turns out he was running 12 marathons in 12 in 12 months raising wow. money for I forget the charity it's a local hospice local hospice um, you know he yeah, raised a lot of money and that was that's, that was yeah. that was his goal that's what he was doing for that year and we ended up chatting for a number of hours actually yeah, really really inspirational and really passionate guy Brilliant. about running lifetime and, uh, customer yeah well yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he does yeah, yeah. yeah he has bought but it was that it was that moment you wouldn't he wouldn't have talked to us because you know generally yeah. that doesn't Always happen, and we wouldn't have noticed or necessarily talked yeah. to him. But actually, it turns out just sat opposite us. He had, yeah, he was doing the exact same sort of thing that, that that's really passionate from, from our perspective. So um, yeah, that was a really nice little moment that we were like, yeah. actually, yeah, that's kind of what we wanted to find. You know, yeah. other people that share that that passion. Brilliant. So. And I think you you're now taking that on to other, some other. How can we say? It, um, charitable endeavours this year. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk us through that? So I think when when it comes to the world of running, there's in the in the wider world there's lots of um, bad news stories. So in the world of running there's so much good stuff that goes on, so much positivity. Yeah, there's so much encouragement and motivation out there that we were like, how can we tap into those things and really highlight how good the running community is so we joined forces with a local running club, Fair and Running Club, based down on the south coast where we are um, probably 18 months ago to ultimately encourage runners to run to their local food bank. The number of food banks in the UK is on the rise, the number of people using the food banks is on the increase. So we were like, how runners are always looking for a reason to run. Clubs have always got training runs throughout the week, so how can we encourage a, a, train, a, a club to use one of their training runs to run to a food bank? So we literally just said to, to the, the running community through social media, to our customers and our followers and said, look, our, our, our challenge to you, our ask to you is, will you run to your local food bank? I think there's about something like two and a half to three thousand of them in the UK, and chances are there's one within a couple of miles of where we all live. Um, and last autumn, winter, we had over 500 clubs and groups that got involved and ran to their local food bank, <coughs> donating somewhere in excess of 80,000 kilos of food. We've Fantastic. gone again this year. Um, big shout out to Sarah at Fair and Running Club, who's been the main driver behind this, and she's coming to the run show this weekend. Um, she's been contacting running clubs and groups up and down the country trying to get them involved because she knows the good work that the food banks do to support families and individuals. Um, I think the latest numbers are about 300 this year have got involved, but we don't, we don't want to know every club that's doing it. We just, want, we just know it's happening out there. We know how fantastic the running community is to support initiatives like this. Fantastic. Um, that's great. And the second one we're just launching is Medals for Kids, which is launching here at the Run Show this year. Okay, which we're quite talk excited us, yeah, about. talk us through that. So, so um, I personally, well, myself and Matt, we've both got young kids. Um, 
they've both of all of our kids are very active because they probably see us out and about running. Um, not every kid has that opportunity. So we, we kind of thought, well, what can we do in the world of running to kind of inspire and encourage kids to get out and be active? As runners, a lot of us have medals at home. The ones that mean a lot maybe hang on the wall or take pride of place on the mantelpiece. The rest of them tend to sit in a box under your bed at the back of a drawer. Well, what if we could take those medals and give them to schools, to groups, to organisations who could distribute them to kids um, as uh, encouragement for getting out and being active? It's so, motivational, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned I ran this past my six-year-old, and he loved it, and he wanted a medal there and then. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, I just want to see if you like the idea. Yeah. Um, so we we kind of tested the water a few weeks ago, and just we, we had a few, quite a lot of medals sitting around, and we could have probably had seven times as many medals with just the people that came back on that one social media post. Fantastic. And so, what's the mechanism for collecting medals after the show? Is there an, is there a mechanism in place? Yeah. So the launch at the show is for people to bring their medals here. After the back of the show, what we're going to do is on our medals for kids page on our website is we've got an address basically it's our hq where people can just post their unwanted medals or the medals they want to donate to the cause um, it's quite a new initiative that we've just created we don't know how it's going to go uh, it could be a lead balloon it could be fantastic um, i hope it's fantastic well you've got to try these things right exactly. so you never know it's going to cause know. us a lot of work if it yeah. does but yes in a positive sense. Yeah. In a positive sense. But we, yeah. I mean, there's event organisers who have thousands of medals that yeah. from old events that are not going to be used. Absolutely. So what do you do with them? Yeah. You could put yeah. them in a landfill. Don't really want that to happen. Yeah. Um, we've been inspired by Jog On and the recycling of running shoes. Well, how can we do a similar thing with running medals Fantastic. but that inspires kids to get out and be active? Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much to you guys at Runner. And that's the end of this week's kit review. A slightly different way of talking about tech this week. So I'm going to hand over to myself to talk through Shock's headphones. We are taking a slightly different approach in this week's tech segment, but nonetheless, the technology that we're going to be looking at today is a widespread favourite of the running community. And this week, we focus on headphones and particularly shocks, formerly known as aftershocks. And in a market with ordinary headphones completely flooded, shock stands out with their revolutionary technology and unparalleled performance. And at the heart of shock's brilliance lies its groundbreaking bone conduction technology. Well, what exactly is bone conduction? I've only heard of headphones that go in your ears or over your ears. Well, instead of traditional headphones that rely on covering or inserting into your ears, Shock's headphones utilise bone conduction to deliver sound directly through to your cheekbones. And I know that sounds quite weird, but stick with me because I imagine your first thought is, hold on, how can I hear good quality audio when the buds aren't even in my ears? Well, by bypassing your eardrums and sending vibrations through your cheekbones, Shock's headphones leave your ears open to the world around you. And whether you're out for a run, cycling through the city, or just enjoying your favourite music, podcast, or pod show, you can stay aware of surroundings, enhancing both safety and situational awareness. Alongside the bone conduction technology, they also have direct pitch technology. Now, I'm going to get quite technical here, but this is a really revolutionary cutting-edge technology, and it revolutionises sounds transmission by precisely directing sound waves and creating an optimised sound field with varying pressure distribution. By harnessing the principle of sound wave superposition, direct pitch TM technology ensures an enhanced audio experience with precise directionality and immersive sound quality. Let's talk a bit about durability. Shox headphones are engineered to withstand even the most rigorous of activities, whether you're sweating out in the gym or caught in a sudden downpour. 
These headphones are built to keep up with your active lifestyle, ensuring uninterrupted performance every step of the way. So that's all of the technology and the durability. But what do the reviews say? Well, the popular open run version of the Shox headphones have a 4.5 star rating on Argos with over 9,000 reviews. Now I can talk from a personal point of view, I've been using them for just over two years and wear them pretty much every day for running, using the gym and just everyday commuting. And I was someone who was searching for the right headphones and switching between multiple wired and wireless and brands and styles and all that type of thing. And they either got lost, which I guess is my fault, didn't charge well, broke, fell out when I ran or just couldn't deal with my slightly above average sweaty nature. But since switching to Shox headphones, I haven't looked back. Obviously, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but if you're on the lookout for a new pair of headphones, then I would definitely give them a go. The tech is cool, the brand is friendly, and they're fairly reasonably priced, actually. So check out Shox at the end of this pod show. But that brings us to the end of this week's tech section. So Paris coming mm. up, Olympics this year. Mm. Um, Talk me through what that is for you and what you're excited about. Yeah. And then secondly, what, in terms of the whole month, what does that look like from behind the scenes? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm quite that, interested in, in yeah. the dynamics of how it works as well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wearing a couple of hats this time. Right. So usually okay, yeah, I'm yeah. just straightforward media, right? Okay, so this yeah, time yeah. I'll be coming yeah. in on the coaching side yeah. as, as well. Yeah. And they are, they're very different in, in the way you approach. So... You know, you can't be so very selfish as a coach. That's the first thing you've got to do. You've yeah. got to realise that it's about the athlete, not about yeah. you. Yeah. So I will spend time, certainly... Uh, so I coach Andrew Posse, who's world indoor mm. champion for hurdles, uh, European indoor champion. He's one of the best in the world, right? So let's put that <laughs> into the yeah. mix. So there's a lot of pressure yeah. for him to deliver a performance. Yeah. The expectations coming back from injury. He spent yeah. a year out, so yeah. he's coming back from injury. So as a coach, you've got to kind of manage expectation with reality yeah. in, in that sense as well yeah. and when things are going well you keep pushing that you yeah. keep pushing it all, all yeah. the time so the build up to the Olympic Games certainly the month four for us will be about solid focus preparation yeah. what do you need what's necessary for you to, to give me the best of yeah. you yeah. Virtu- virtually the most difficult thing yeah. is trying to get the athlete not to think about other people and yeah. just to concentrate on their potential, on yeah. what they can do, yeah. and understand and appreciate that box you again. have your yeah. line. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. where you need to be, and that's where yeah. you need to stay. Yeah. Then you go on the flip side of that, because um, then you, you're doing your preparation on the media side of stuff, and you get to know the team, and you want to be able to tell the story of, of team members of, yeah. of, of Team GB yeah. um, in a way that is, is positive and honest, both them and to your audience. Yeah. So you don't want to be taking yeah. secrets that you know and no. you hear because as you know, you know, yeah. as a, as a content, yeah. that's not my business. Yeah. You know, yeah. if someone wants to tell me about on screen about yeah. what their injuries are, that's what they're, they're saying. That yes. is. So I always yeah. feel as my role as the commentator is to to really say what I see and explain mm. it to the everyday person. Yeah. My nan has got to understand what I'm talking about and what this athlete is achieving and what they're trying to do. So preparation on both sides are quite difficult. They're selfish in one place because for my athlete, I have to look after him. Yeah. But when it comes to the media side, I've got to have a holistic opinion on 
yeah. all the world's best athletes yeah. yes. and yeah, put yeah. mine in the mix. So yeah. you just take yeah. it out. Impartial. Like, in it. Yeah. Yeah, go that. Yeah. So, yeah, but we see the it. backgrounds after exactly. where you, you're yeah, all in the exactly, studio exactly. when your athletes do it. Ultimately, yeah, that's, great. that's yeah, what we want. We're fans of the sport. Just yeah, as much as everybody else. And a bit competitive, right? And a bit competitive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. I love that. I love those little outtakes. They're brilliant yeah. when you're watching it back, and you know Michael Johnson's up there jumping around, yeah, love, it's, loving it. It's, yeah. it's, it's. I, I always feel that we're really blessed to yeah. be in the position that we're in, and yeah. I think all the team feel that. Yeah. Um. You know, we all know each other from our sport yeah. itself, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah. Because um, the camaraderie is already there. It's natural. It's natural. It's, you see it. To, you, yeah. you know, you don't have to worry about particular things is someone's going to be a little yeah. bit precious yeah. who cares if somebody's yeah, precious yeah. they just get yeah. buried right yeah, so because yeah, yeah, they yeah. know that's the way we operate yeah. as, a, as we good. are it's so because we've known each other for such a yeah, long yeah. time yeah yeah and so that's i think is, a, is one of the loveliest things yeah. about being able and the most pleasurable things about watching young athletes perform at their very best amazing and we're the ones that are trying yeah. to, to to give it uh, to breathe some light into it Brilliant. And then coming back then, so just taking a step back to um, the coaching part mm. of that and saying that it's really difficult to keep them just focused on mm. themselves. Now, in your day, you didn't have social media to deal yeah. with. You're now coaching in that world, which is difficult yeah. because how do you deal with that as a coach and yeah. how do you advise athletes on that? Because it's very difficult to keep a lid on it if yeah. that's, that's part of it it's part yeah. of it do you know what I'm going to say I'm really lucky yeah that my athletes that I work with they're not that fussed about social media right okay so I'm lucky yeah. that they have that opportunity just to really focus okay. but yeah. contractually with lots yeah. of things that yeah, they're involved it. with yeah. they have to do some sense yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of social media yeah and they do it they you know yeah. they take the box they oblige they do it and they do it well yeah you know which is always yeah, the, yeah. The, the key yeah um, it, we don't want it to be too intrusive because yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about your performance. You yeah. can have great social media, yeah. but if you start losing, then people start losing interest in you. Yeah. So it's to create that right balance of yeah. you know giving what you want, giving yeah. what the people want, yeah. but also knowing mm. what your bread and butter actually is. Yeah. And performance mm -hmm. is your job. That's yeah. the industry yeah. you're in. Yeah. And as long as they understand that, and me as a coach keep reiterating that yeah. point to them, they kind of get my drift. Leads on to my next question. So I'm really intrigued in that that moment before history's made. Yeah. Right? So you're on that lead up. You're doing the warm up. Uh -huh. Talk me through the mental preparation because I know what I'm like, and I'm, I'm an amateur. I'm an amateur marathon runner, right? And I'm like, right. I'm getting myself. I'll have my little routine. But the Olympic Games, and you, <laughs> you've got one go to get it right. And in hurdles, high hurdles as well, yeah. there's no margin for error at yeah. all. Yeah. So it's, I mean, for me, how, 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 how do you deal with that? Well, I just described the Olympic Games to somebody yeah. just now. Yeah. Um, as a glorified school sports day. That's how you've got to think about oh, it. Right? There's nothing any different, yeah. right? And the reason why I say that is that your emotions... You can't crank up your emotions any more than they are. Yeah. So if you can remember what it's like when you're absolutely petrified going on the start line in school sports yeah. day, when the pressure's on, you know, your win will win your house the whole competition. Yeah. And you know that 
how important that is. Mm. And if you can deal with that, you mm. can deal with the Olympic Games exactly the same way. There's no real difference in that sense. Okay. The only kind of difference, I guess, is a couple of thousand people in the stand. There's lights all over the place. There's cameras there. And there's media talking about you. And 100 but million just, people watching on just TV. Just ignore them, right? <laughs> Let's just focus on you again. Again, yeah. So yeah. preparation, again, you start to yeah. get yourself into, you know, you, you, you've heard the saying in the zone. Yeah. Right when you're getting yourself in the zone, that's when yeah. you can be hyper focused and concentrated yeah. on the yeah. the job in hand, yeah. and you're drawing on all the resources and all the memories that you've had in preparation. Yeah. So yeah. you know what you've done well in training, what the opponents have have been like in previous races, but also yeah. understanding that now when you're at the championship, mm. uh, it's about this race. What's happened in races mm. prior? Yeah. Count for nothing. Yeah. And it's exactly the same for qualifying rounds. Yeah. They count for nothing. Yeah. When you're in the final, yeah. that's when the focus is on. Mm. So you've been all those emotions in that says, Yeah. Key is trust in your preparation. Yes. You've prepared well. Yeah. And then when you put yourself into that starting block, is to remember, I've done this thousands of times. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Nobody's extended yeah. the hurdle distance. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's cranked up the hurdle height. I've done this time after time Execute. after time. Yeah. So you just get yourself Execute. into that really yeah. that situation. Yeah, yeah. And then once you settled into the blocks, which is most probably the worst bit, yeah. when you're going into the blocks, and the starter says set, mm. and your heart is mm. absolutely thumping, mm. the gun releases everything. Yeah. And then off Auto. you go. Boom. Automatic pipe. You don't yeah. even hear people yeah. in the crowd. You no, don't hear. No. You hear people hitting hurdles left, mm. right, and centre. Yeah. And you're just trying to keep your focus on yeah. that. Keeping tall. Yeah. All the things your coaches yeah. told you, just in case things are happening. You've got to think on your feet. You've got one second in between each barrier. And in that one second, you have 15,000 thoughts of how to adjust your body as mm. the hurdles are coming a little bit closer. Yeah. Who's next to you? Someone's touched your arm. You don't want to be too aggressive when you throw your mm. arm back now because I can throw your timer off. Mm. Pull your trail leg through, get mm. your lead leg down, sprint, 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 mm. take off. All these things are yeah. going on yeah. uh, in your mind in one second. But you were a machine. Like I remember as a young lad watching you and you just go dum, 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 dum. And then the release when it went over the line and that euphoria of just, <laughs> it was brilliant. And that big, and the Colin Jackson smile. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, we all love that. It was, yeah. yeah it, but you know what? That's just yeah. after hours yeah. and hours yeah. of practicing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. not just my hours, it's my training partner's hours. Yeah. It's my coach's hours. Yeah. They put just as yeah, much yeah. time as I did yeah, into yeah. trying to perfect uh, yeah. my skill. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you so much for today. It's been it a real pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks Thank so much. And that's the end of our main guest uh, interview for this episode. Listening to this next section is going to make me feel really jealous because I want to run New York Marathon, but for now I've got to hear about it with Sports Tours International. Um, hey guys, for this race review section I have Ben here from Sports Tours to talk about the New York Marathon. Now, Ben, talk to me about how Sports Tours work with New York Marathon, first of all. Great, so Sports Tours International, we've been going for 50 years now, and we were the first... You don't look that old. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, not personally, but uh, it's been a long weekend, so maybe I do. Uh, so we've been going for 50 years now, uh, and we're the first running tour operator. So our, our founder, uh, Vince Regan, an Irish international marathon runner, first started sending friends of his to the New York Marathon in 1973. Oh, wow. And that's how the whole concept of sports travel, running travel, uh, began. So... 
The New York Marathon is is one of our most important events. And now, subsequent, subsequently, we we've gone on to work with all of the six world major marathons and various other city marathons, big city marathons uh, around uh, North America and Europe. So, uh, so New York Marathon is is where it all began, um, and as a result, it's um, it, it's a huge part of uh, of our identity as a as a business and what we offer. Um, and each year, we send twelve hundred runners from the UK, France, and Ireland out to New York. To take part in this this iconic world major marathon so if we want to run new york we can sign up with sports tours and and actually you don't just give them a race place you do other things as well right but yeah. but we're here to talk about the race today so um if, if you're interested in running new york talk to the guys at sports tours they'll get you a package and they'll get you out there and it's super fun and loads of other things but you've run new york i've actually run new york as well but tell me about the race how would you describe it as a marathon is it an easy one a hard one it's very quiet, isn't it? The crowd are very <laughs> reserved. Yeah, as you would expect in New York, it's it's like anything else multiplied by 10. The atmosphere is absolutely off the scale. Uh, the whole way through New York, I think it's, it's unique to uh, the world major marathon running scene in as much as the race is, first of all, point to point. Yep. So you have to get a bus out to the start at four in the morning, and you, or sorry, five in the morning. Between I, five got and six a, in the morning. I got a ferry. You can get the as ferry well, as well. Yeah. You can get the yeah. ferry as well. So you have to go to Staten Island, yeah. uh, and then you have to run back to Manhattan. Uh, you run through the five boroughs of New York, mm-hmm. uh, and each borough takes it upon itself to try and outdo the other in terms they of really do as well. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So you start in Staten Island, uh, and you run across into into Brooklyn, and the whole way through Brooklyn, it's like one giant block party. Yeah. Uh, and you think, my God, if, if it's like this the whole way round, then... Well, I thought there's no way it can be like this the whole way round. Because, yeah. the, I mean, I've done a lot of, like, city marathons, but, like, it's so noisy. Like, it's like, it's, it's loud. But, yeah, it's a great start to the race, right? It certainly is, and uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you found it, but you, you kind of think, well, well, OK, I've got to just keep it under control here because I can get carried away and swept yeah. along and then get halfway and, and, and that's it. Um, oh, you followed my race, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah, you, you get through uh, you get through Brooklyn. Uh, you then, then run across into Queens um, through halfway. That's obviously when the race really begins in earnest. And at around about sixteen miles, you run across from Queens into Manhattan across the Queensborough Bridge, which, as, as mad as it might seem, a bridge can be a proper climb. It's, it's the only, to be honest, it, it, that's the only quiet bit as well, the bridges, because that's where you don't get the crowds along the side. But actually, the bridges are really tough. It's, it's weird that the bridges are tough, but you're right, they are the, pretty much the biggest hill, apart really from that is. bit at the end. Yeah. And it's the quiet, it's the steepness of it, it's mm. the sort of psychological part of a race where, you know, whether it's the wall or whatever you want to call it, but mm. the going starts to get tough. Um, and you come through the Queensborough Bridge into Manhattan, um, and you're faced with what's called the wall of noise yep. for obvious reasons. Um, and then that takes you into Manhattan. Uh, Sports Tours has a cheer zone just as you round the corner onto, uh, is it 3rd Avenue? I can't remember. 1st Avenue, I think. You run I up 1st Avenue yeah. and then come back down. You run up to um, up to Harlem and then back down. So do you only cheer people that have gone with Sports Tours? Or you just boo everybody else? It's I mean, <laughs> we, we, we try and discriminate uh, <laughs> and, and give the full support to, uh, to our runners. Um, but no, look, it's an absolutely extraordinary event in terms of support. And then you get into Manhattan, the wall of noise, that sort of carries you 
all the way up through Manhattan mm-hmm. into um, into Harlem, and then you run back down Fifth Avenue. You can see the Empire State Building in the yeah. distance. It never seems to get any bigger, and it goes on and on and on. And then you make it to Central Park, which again isn't flat and these small little inclines in Central Park feel like mountains as you get to the finish and then you cross the most iconic finish line in um, in, in all of running and it is just an absolute wild ride but an astonishing event and you know we talk a lot about about bucket list events but I, I just don't think New York can be beaten. Yeah and I do think it's an incredible I, I totally totally share that I think it's it's a great race it really is iconic one you should all check out I think don't be too intimidated by the climbs and the hills we've talked about some of the harder bits but it is actually I think quite an accessible marathon actually out of all of them would you agree Yeah absolutely I mean look if people come to us and say well which marathon's the fastest which one's the best you know look if you're going to run uh, the fastest possible time then do Berlin or mm. do Chicago New York has these in the grand scheme of things, really minor inclines, and your time might be a minute and a half slower or two minutes, but, um, God, I would say probably the support is worth that and some. Um, And it is a super accessible um, event. The the city opens its hearts to to running for for a weekend, and you get to experience the greatest city on earth in a whole different way. Um, So, you know, the the concept of actually seeing the world through running, uh, it it doesn't get better than the New York Marathon, that's for sure. And you're right, the city, because I I had so many people afterwards when I was wearing my medal as I was walking back to my hotel, like stopping me in the street and saying, well done. It was, it was a, I've I've not really had that before, but actually there there was a level of enthusiasm that's beyond really anything I've ever experienced at any other race. Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's not the oldest of the big city marathons. I think Boston is, you know, is the oldest, but New York is, is probably second on that list in terms of uh, a marathon of that scale, which just dominates and takes over the city. Um, so, yeah, in- incredible. It, you really feel part of a community and something bigger than um, bigger, bigger than yourself. Um, and, you know, there isn't a single person I've met who's run New York and not absolutely raved about it. Yeah, it's a great one. Ben, thank you so much. This has been great. I think if you are interested in running the New York Marathon, then you could get in touch with sports tours. And if you don't, they'll boo you when they see you in their <laughs> cheer zone. So thanks, everyone, for joining this one. And on to the next bit. Tom's done a bit of jumping around. He's gone from advice last week to nutrition this week. But equally good information with Jamie and Tom. Hi, Tom. How are you Hi, doing? Yeah, are you all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great to... Yeah, very good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, not too bad. Um, I really enjoyed the first section uh, we did um, in, the last, in the last episode on nutrition. Um, today, I want to talk a bit more about the race day itself. Mm-hmm. So race day, nutrition, the morning. We touched on the breakfast, I think, in the last, in the last, um, in the last episode. But fueling in terms of gels, they agree with some people, they don't agree with some people. I would like to also, thankfully they do for me, so gels work for me. But for people that don't as well, I think we'd, I'd like to cover that off as yeah. well. Because if people don't like it, I don't know, sometimes I don't know what to say to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what's the general consensus on uh, morning to begin with? Morning breakfast, what, what, what's the advice there? The morning breakfast is important, but its level of importance depends kind of on how well the carb load has gone for the last couple of days. If you've done a good carb load, Mm -hmm. then that morning breakfast really is just a top up of your glycogen. Mm -hmm. And it's really your liver glycogen that you're topping up there, which will have been depleted on the night before. Um, Without wanting to get 
overly technical. That's what yeah. you're doing in that morning breakfast, really. Mm. Um, and again, similar to the carb load, similar principles in terms of you'd want a low-fat, low-fiber, easily digestible carb source. Mm. A lot of people, for example, like peanut butter mm. on toast or on crumpets or whatever. Yeah, There's actually no... I, I generally tried to steer people away from it because although it's delicious, it's very nutritious, it's not the time for it because it's high, high fat, um, mm. delays, potentially slows down your digestion a little bit and you don't need it. So yeah. just an example of a common food that people would often have, yeah. I tend to steer people away. So something like jam or honey yeah. would be a better option yeah. uh, at breakfast time. Mm. And there's specific rules or guidance about how long you've got before the race starts, mm-hmm. that you should be having that breakfast. And depending on that duration that you've got, mm. dictates how, mu- how many carbs you should be having. Right. Because what you don't want to do yeah. is throw it all the way in the last couple of hours yeah. and feel heavy yeah. with undigested breakfast at the start line. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we want to go into real specifics of numbers right now, but yeah. No, not too much. I mean, I, I, I think I feel good at about three hours before right i mean i don't know how that sits with the science and you know in your so it's basically you should be aiming for absolute bare minimum one hour ideally ideally two to three yeah um but it will be dictated to you to some extent by the event you know some marathons for example the spanish ones start at 8 a.m so Mm. if you're not used to getting up early Mm. I mean, I am used to getting up early. I know you are as well, so it wouldn't be a major deal for me. But if you're the sort of person that normally gets up at 8 or 9 o'clock and then all of a sudden you're trying to get up at 4 a.m. for breakfast, that's not going to work. You're not going to tolerate that well. I remember having Cape Town, and I think the start was 6 a.m. Yeah. And it was in, you know, before it got too hot. I got up at three, had breakfast, and then went back to sleep. That is another option. It's not the worst idea in the world. Yeah, It did actually work. I've heard people doing that. Yeah. Um, so that is that is another option, but uh, yeah, if you kind of think of that breakfast just as your top up and not stress too much about stuffing the system there, yeah. then you can kind of do what you want in terms of the logistics, what you would have done anyway, and mm-hmm. then let that dictate what you're going to have for it. So let's say you've got a couple of hours, two hours before race starts, you'd be aiming for around about two grams of carbs per kilogram in between that breakfast and you starting the race. So if you're a 70 kilogram person, that means in those two hours, you're going to be aiming for around about 140 grams of carbs. Mm. Um, There's a million ways to meet that target. And it will, again, depend on the sort of foods that you like. Mm. But really, the emphasis should be on easy digestible carbs. Any, any, any little things that you do? Yep. What's your, what's your little bits that you do on, on race morning? Crumpets have been a go-to for me for a long time. I just find them really, really easy to digest. Right, yeah, Um, interesting. They have the advantage of you can use only a tiny amount of spread on top and it dissolves easily, so you're not using much fat. Yeah. Um, And I have also gotten into the habit more recently of starting to use some of the pre-made sports drink mixes. Okay. And even more recently, making my own. Right. So out of the constituent elements yeah. of different sugars and things, which again mm. I could go off on. Oh yeah, I that, could talk for hours about that's this now. stuff. Yeah, but um, we, will. That, we, will, we, will, we will. We will. We will. We will. We will. In in the last hour before yeah. a half marathon or a marathon, I tend to be sipping on that. So that's going to be roughly eighty grams of carbs. Okay. So if you think of it, let's say you're aiming for one hundred and fifty. That's half. 
yeah. and you're having that and just sipping it in the last hour because mm. A, you're hydrating yourself, yeah. B, you're never going to feel too full yeah. and you know you're going to be like completely yeah. well stocked from a, yeah. from a carbohydrate perspective at the start line. I, I, I've done a few like tests which I find there's nothing worse than getting to start line and needing a pee, yeah. right? And that is terrible. And I, so I've been time, I've timed how long my system takes for water to come through so I know when to stop yeah. and I have an actual stop. That's good. And, that's good. And I've done a few tests where I'm like, right, that's my system. Right, it's cut off now. Right. And it's literally, it could be to take away the fact that I'm feeling dry mouth. I'm, I'm taking water, but I spit it out. Ah, uh, yeah. So it keeps me feeling like I yeah, don't yeah, need yeah. it, if that makes sense. That's I don't, good. yeah. So I, that's one thing I've been doing. But can you cater for? the impact of nerves on race day, which yeah, is going to affect true. that sort of thing. You know, everything's different on race morning. This is why we need to talk. And time. that includes yeah. things yeah. like your GI tolerance. So mm. although I've said replicate things as well as you can in training, yeah. you can never quite replicate yeah. your feeling on race day. Yeah. Adrenaline surging, yeah. full of nerves, surrounded by other people who are nervous. So you try your best, but you'll never quite replicate it. And Good point. most people have got at least one race experience of yeah. GI discomfort where it's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And gels during the race. So gels during the race, really yeah. important. So yeah. when I overview, just a yeah. sort of an overview as to like, you know, somebody's coming in, quite basics, um, where do they test it? How do they do the testing as well? Sorry to interrupt. No, no, all good. So when I first started marathon running, uh, I thought, oh, I don't need any of that fancy stuff. For the first one. Yeah. For the second one, I bought some kind of sugar tablets because I thought, oh, that'll do. And I bought them the day before in Rotterdam. I was like, these look fine. Um, and then I realised, well, if I'm going to take this a bit more seriously, maybe let's not be dismissive of these products. Maybe they are actually useful. Yeah. Sure enough, they are incredibly useful because they're mostly very well... Um, the composition is perfect for your absorption Fine. for a lot of them. Yeah. That said, they vary quite significantly in terms mm. of the size, the mm. amount of carbs that are in them, the type of carbs that are in them, mm. which is important, um, the taste, the texture. But what they are essentially is a concentrated sugar source. Yeah. So yeah. if we understand that carbohydrate depletion, glycogen depletion is the main reason of uh, poor performance in a marathon, hitting the wall, mm -hmm. you can prevent that by pre-fueling and good fueling strategy on the way around. There are numbers that you can aim for in terms of number of grams of carbohydrate per yeah. hour. Yeah. And you can try and push that limit. Mm -hmm. That limit used to be around about 60, maximum 70 grams of carbs per hour whilst mm -hmm. running, mm -hmm. regardless of body size. Mm -hmm. which means it actually benefits smaller runners because they're getting a greater percentage of their needs. Brilliant. Um, I knew there'd be an advantage yeah, there somewhere for being five foot five. paid off eventually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but actually there's been a kind of, as, as with everything in running, real leaps forward in terms of the technology in the last yeah. five years or so. Yeah. And people are saying, you know, these world records that are being broken, is it the shoes? Is it other tech or is it the nutrition? There's a lot of people who think the nutrition has much more of a say in it than it's given credit interesting. for. Interesting, interesting. So yeah. there are, and I yeah. agree, right. and I would agree for my own performance as well. Mm. So um, basically they will use blends of sugars. Yeah. So particularly you'll get either glucose or maltodextrin. 
that's mm. transported one way into mm. the system. Mm. And then fructose is another sugar, which is transported separately. Those, if you get that uh, ratio correct, it means you can absorb a much higher number of carbs per hour, pushing it up towards 90, 100 grams per hour. Wow. Okay. So if you look at the likes yeah. of Kipchoge, yeah. he's 100 plus, and a lot of their elites are now. And I am now hitting 100 grams per hour, but you have to practice it yeah. and know which products work for you. Yeah, because I was going to say that on the, on the which products work for you, I was, I was talking with our show producer, Dominic, and talking about his experience as well. And we were talking about the actual um, texture of each gel. It's very yeah. different. Some are a bit more watery, so that, that works for them. Some are a bit more glutinous, which I can deal with, thankfully, and I quite like a more glutinous gel. Yeah. Um, anything on that? Is there any difference in it or...? How, how would you how would you advise on that? Some people are really sensitive to these things. Yeah. I'm like you. Luckily, I've got a pretty robust constitution and I appear yeah. to be pretty good at dealing with most gels. Yeah. That said, when we're talking about those number thresholds of what yeah. you can tolerate, mm-hmm. the point is that when you exceed that, mm-hmm. your uh, the, the sugars are not being absorbed into your bloodstream quickly enough, yeah. which means they stay in your gut, mm-hmm. which means the gut gets potentially flooded with water and that's what's called osmotic diarrhea diarrhea okay. basically yeah. runners yeah runners trots yeah so that's what we're talking about when we're mm. talking about the threshold yeah i've never reached that luckily yeah. but that if you push it that's what will happen fine or one of the things that would happen yeah, yeah. some people are very sensitive to that at much mm. lower numbers yeah and some people hate the sickliness of yeah. some gels yeah i don't mind them to yeah. be honest there are some that are much more neutral tasting yeah there that's are some that are much thicker yeah, I don't know if we want to mention specific brand names. Probably not. Mm-hmm. No, not today. I Maybe think, not today. I, I think I think the fact that I've seen um, an up, uptick in neutral gels yeah. as well. That's yeah. obviously a, that's a trend which I've seen, and it's quite interesting because people can't deal with that sort of sickly and and also having um, more sort of salted caramels and different yeah. sort of salty um, non non sugary feel of gels which totally. is which is quite which is quite interesting yeah i have a lot of clients recently yeah. who just they just cannot fathom having something that sweet for 3 hours plus yes yeah. yeah um yeah. and there are other options so mm. you, um you kind of said what else would you do if you re- mm. well I, I personally think if you try enough gels and honestly the market is so busy yeah. now there are mm. so many companies mm-hmm. there probably is going to be a gel that works for you if you look hard enough i i, I, agree. I agree but if not another option would be to drink your carbs yeah so i kind of mentioned the pre-race drink that i often have yeah basically the same stuff that you would yeah. have on the way around yeah and you can either make your own if you want to get really techy or you can buy yeah. products that are made it does mean that you're carrying liquid yeah. which is a mm. bit annoying can you make something that is then put into the water bottles that are en route or water en route uh that i think would be tricky because okay. i they often don't mix instantly so yeah. i think it would be okay. a real faff so okay. probably not brilliant well i think you know as a kind of real overview because we could sit here for yeah. hours and talk about this stuff i certainly could and get quite nerdy about it yeah. but um and looking forward to it um i've got a pretty mega trip coming up in right in the middle of my marathon um 
marathon block coming up. So I'd love to have a bit more of a chat about it and how you might be able to help me because I'm going to be having lots of different foods from different parts of the world and I probably need a bit of advice. So yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd love to uh, have a bit of time off camera as well chatting about that. That'd be great. Definitely. That'd be awesome. Let's do it. Brilliant. Let's get stuck into some advice now with Arj because I want to know what performance coach is. How can it help me? How would it help me? How should it help me? Let's find out. Hi, everyone. For this episode of The Pod Show, we have an advice section with Arj from Performance Physique. Arj is a performance coach, so I'm going to ask him, A, what is a performance coach and how does that work and how could it help people like us improve our running? Hey Arj, how are you? Hello, thank you very much for having me. Well, so I'm going to start with that. So you're a performance coach. What, yeah. what is that? What does that mean? It basically means taking any matter of performance, whether that's nutrition, whether that's mindset, whether that's physiology, and saying, right, what are you doing at A and how can we get you to be faster and more efficiently? So basically improve your performance no matter what the facet of performance it is. Okay, so that's pretty awesome. So in terms of the levels of qualifications that you guys have, I'm assuming that this isn't something you just guess at, right? No, no. And, and that's, that's a really good question because I think there is a lot of that happening within the industry. Um, now, I've been coaching within novices right through to Team GB Olympians for 18 years. Amazing. I've written two sports science degrees. Um, I've got a lot of qualifications and to be honest, it's not the qualifications, it's about marrying the experience with those qualifications and then just taking a step back and thinking about the person as well. We often think it's just about the numbers, but the athlete actually at the centre of the, the approach is most important. But I think that does really help. I think it gives some sort of confidence that what you're providing is is de facto nice and good and yeah. positive as opposed to, you know, you get there's lots of people claiming to be coaches and, and run coaches in particular and that's yeah. quite difficult if they're not qualified. It's, it's really scary actually. Um, I think I've spoken about this publicly in the past that I think it's great about getting more and more people involved in the sport mm -hmm. and I think it's really important that we do that, especially with running which is so accessible. Yep. Um, but, you know, I was taught about scope of practice and first do no harm. What's scope of practice? So basically, um, I'm not a physiotherapist, so I'm not going to put my hands on you and pretend I can understand what's going on inside your muscle. I mean, so give it some time. We might have a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you buy me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and therefore, the same applies as a coach. You know, you, you shouldn't be saying, I've run a 5K. It worked great for me. Let me tell you how to do the yeah. 5K, which is what we see a lot of. And I think that's the danger of, like, my mate said. Oh, actually, yeah. Yeah, so, totally. so actually the recommendation certainly from us at the pod show is that you should go and seek advice from proven and trusted and recommended experts Thank like you yourself. Thank so, you. okay, so somebody like me, so let's say I'm a middling ultra runner and I want to improve, I want to get a faster time. Um, how would you work with me to develop a plan? Okay, so I know we, we were joking about this earlier. I would immediately correct you on your middling term. So that, <laughs> okay. that, that, that always happens from a, so what we call it as motivational interviewing. Yep. We would understand that there's a certain trait that keeps coming up. Maybe you talk negatively about yourself first and so no one else does about you. It's I'm going to be honest, I talk very positively about myself. <laughs> so I'm just trying to be humble for the cameras. However, I'm the same, that's okay. <laughs> so then, then I would say, okay, um, we'll go through a, a series of questions and it might be a, about identifying how much strength work are you doing in the week? Mm -hmm. so, uh, so I do two to three sessions. Fantastic, excellent. How many miles are you doing each week? About 30. Okay, and how are you spreading those miles? Uh, hmm, very varied, so there's okay. no real structure or plan. Okay, so no structure or plan? No, it's just when I can fit it in okay. between work. Great, yeah, that, and which is a major, major mm. thing for, for most runners, realistically. Yeah. We haven't got the luxury of being a professional, etc. So we'd identify, if you can't have certain set days because of work, you would have certain runs 
and principles behind them. So it might be you'd have two more challenging runs, which are always a minimum of two days apart, mm -hmm. and everything else you do in your week is nice and easy. It doesn't matter where they form, they're really easy. But the two really tough ones must be a minimum of two days apart. If that's not feasible, you choose your favourite one, the one you're going to enjoy the most out of it, which might be neither. Wait, hang on, the challenging run is, um, choose my favourite of the challenges. I'll just choose neither. Right? <laughs> that's that's an easy option, run. <laughs> um, and then we look at your, your S&C. So you're doing yeah. three sessions a week, say. Yes. Let's see what you're doing in those three sessions. So actually, I use, I use the Peloton app. So they, I use okay. a variety of different sort of sessions, generally lighter weights, um, but quite mixed. Cool. So, great starting point. I'd probably say, let's look at what actual exercises you're doing in those sessions. Which ones do you enjoy the most? And then, the next step after that, I'd be saying, we want to fill the gaps. And usually that, that entails, particularly for you, would be calf work. Yep. You're going to have loads of calf fatigue from the mileage you're covering. Um, so we want to make them bulletproof. And that's the starting process, and then we'd, we'd work for, say, four weeks on that, and then we'd introduce nutrition, and we'd just pile on all these factors of performance. That's so interesting. It's, like, it's really funny to see how quickly you've already started to build up a programme for me, and even if the listeners or the viewers don't get anything out of this, I'm getting some free coaching, so I'm quite <laughs> enjoying it. So it's fantastic. So for you as a business, um, where do you operate? Do you operate, can you see people digitally online, or do you have to see them face-to-face? -face? Yeah, so um, I'm based in Solihull, yep. right in the Midlands. You know, it's, it's ideal for travelling, getting, getting around the, the country, but um, for the last five, yeah, it's about five years, maybe a little bit longer actually. We've offered online coaching. It was great for us, to be honest. That During COVID, I imagine, yeah. Well, most people were starting at that point and we'd been doing it for two years at that, that stage. Oh, nice, okay. And we have a studio set up a little bit like this. We have apps which, so I could directly communicate with your watch and you would basically see my- it's funny, I can barely <laughs> use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing, whether you would respond to the coaching, but I can communicate to your watch and tell you, you need to run this part faster now. Oh, you're not doing it, Mike. Why aren't you doing it, Mike? I think I'd be a little bit scared if it was like, oh, just watching just on my watch. <laughs> oh, man, I'm gonna get out. And it, 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 does, it does have that aspect to it as well. You know, you, you've got your coach who's monitoring everything. I can see all the statistics coming up and then we, we constantly say, don't just look at the metrics, don't just look at the data. Mm. You know, I've come off stage and that, that was one of the topics. Don't just look at the data you get from Strava, etc. Um, but we What do you mean by that? So is it how you feel as opposed yeah. to so interpreting the data? Yeah, exactly. So we, we become very obsessed with the data. So, you know, hit, oh, I've only hit 41 kilometres this week. Let's round it up to 45. I, I, this is massively, This I find this really interesting. Are you guilty of this? Or? Uh, yeah, and so are so many of my friends, because yeah. we all judge our success by Strava. Yeah. And actually, Strava told me the other day that my fitness had decreased by X percent since the start of the year. And I'm doing Red January at the moment, which means I've run yeah. every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, how is my fitness getting worse? I mean, that's pretty harsh. I, I actually m mentioned this to a particular brand of watch, to be honest. Mm. Um, I'm not sponsored by them. So uh, <laughs> should I name them? <laughs> name them, name them, yeah. Well, I, I mentioned Although we may want to get sponsored yeah, exactly. in the I'll future, take, so I'll we'll take any sponsorships. Out, huh? um, that basically that the terms that they use for exactly that scenario mm. can actually be really, really demotivating. It can affect you, yourself in terms of, oh, what's the point of me doing this actually? I've just done this, I personally did a really tough session and it came back as unproductive. Yeah, that's so brutal, isn't it? And it may be that you've not slept properly or you've been busy with whatever, yeah, whatever. Exactly. And actually, if you're out there, you're out there and you should be proud of that, right? Exactly, exactly that. So th we look at those metrics and we take it 
as just a part of the, the puzzle. And then we'll have a conversation every month and say, right, how has this gone? How's this gone? And it doesn't just relate, re relate to your running performance or your training performance. It, it has to include an aspect of work. So for yeah. some of the people I've worked with, there's confidentiality. So they can't discuss everything, but we can discuss the stresses. Because your stress that you go through mm. impacts your performance quite clearly, to be honest. I totally agree. So it's about having a, a well-rounded approach, a holistic approach to help your client. I'd like, I could literally talk to you for 17 hours. <laughs> I'm conscious I'm supposed to keep this to 10 minutes, but I'm not going to, so sorry, Don, you're going to have to edit this. But from, from my side, I think one of the things that people are sometimes intimidated with, with coaching in particular, is A, it's going to cost me a fortune, mm. and B, it's really nerve-wracking, that first meeting. Yeah. Like, actually putting yourself out there and telling everything. So what do you do to make to put people at their ease about yeah, it. Yeah, so first of all, it is definitely intimidating. Um, you're a tall guy as well. Yep. Um, and without doubt, having initial consultations over camera, as opposed to face-to-face, -face, being six foot three with a big beard, was always more daunting for someone to, to walk up to me at the table, kind of, you know, this is a nice casual setting. Yep. Consultations used to be, there was a table in the middle of us, and you're like, oh, I'm looking at you, and it's an interview. We had to move yeah. away from that. So. Yep sofas. Online it's much easier and it's always about how, how have you been? I'm yeah. not very judgmental, I'm here to support you. In terms of the, the cost barrier, 100%. It is very, very difficult and that's why at Performance Physique we have a, a range of free sessions that people can just access Amazing. and download. There's four minute mornings which is like daily mobility which is on YouTube and you know we were on, all over the BBC during lockdown because we were offering all these things for free. When it comes to one-to-one to -one coaching, 100% I, I do agree it, it is expensive but the one thing I have witnessed time and time again you know I've done this for 18 years is that it's a lot cheaper to go with someone who is really good at the start and do your 12-week block that you want to do to you want to enjoy you know London or whatever event it is than it is to basically buy all the trainers the watches this coach this session this session this session this session and suddenly I'm I'm the cheap option and it, that's the thing I've noticed in 18 years. And I, 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 I totally agree. I think that bespoke approach um, to yourself as a runner is really, really interesting. And sometimes it's quite easy to buy a product off a shelf for a controlled amount of money because yeah. you believe that's going to change you. Yeah. And actually, that's a really dangerous approach, in my opinion. I think yeah. actually what you need is something much more personalised and tailored. Okay. So I'm, I'm conscious that Dom's going to tell me off if I run this on any further. Um, so if anybody wants to find out more details about you guys, where should they go? Uh, just type in Performance Physique online. Um, we'll pop up on, on Google or go to performance underscore physique at Instagram and we're there. I think that's amazing. I think actually what I'd like to do, if, if the pod show carries on, which we would very much hope it does, we'd like to bring you back for a future episode because I think there's 10,000 things that I want yes. to talk to you about Let's today, talk about so the mic. Let's do it. Thank you for coming on and we'll hopefully see you My again. Pleasure. Thanks ever so much for having me. Cheers, Cheers. mate. Well done for making it this far. All that's left now is to hear a bit more from our host and then we're into the outros. Onto the home stretch. Awesome. Thanks again, guys, for sticking with us throughout another episode of the pod show. So we started off talking about nutrition and we talked about top tips for nutrition. I want to talk about the worst nutrition you've ever had. And I'm going to kick this one off because I've got a beauty. <laughs> My first ever ultramarathon was a 50-mile attempt at the North Downs Way. Um, and it's and I did I did succeed, and basically the aid station someone was giving out fruit and they were handing out oranges and, and melon which turns out are great for an ultra, and I rang my wife who was crewing me at the time and I said can you get me some fruit because uh, everybody else <laughs> having fruit and it looks good, 
and the only fruit they could get was plums. So they turned up with a bag of nine plums <laughs> at the 30-mile aid station. I ate all of them. <laughs> Let's just say the last 20 miles were not that far. Um, so what you got, guys? Jamie, what, what was uh, your worst nutrition mistake? OK, um, half marathon, Berlin. Yep. Uh, night before. Been invited to go out, as we do with a load of other runners. Somebody said, let's go to a pizzeria. I hadn't eaten a pizza for probably a year or something before a race. What kind I, of a runner are you if you hadn't eaten a pizza I, for a year? Yeah, no, I hadn't. Not before I don't think we run. could be friends anymore. Not before At run. least let's find someone else to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I not don't. sure about this, yeah. Jamie. <laughs> you get less I, trustworthy by the minute. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Um, but I had this, I had far too much pizza the night before, too late. It was like 10 o'clock and it was just uh, had an absolute disaster. Um, went off, ran the first 5K. After six, I could feel that pizza, that oh, margarita no. was there, and it was an utter, and, it went, and I, yeah, it was an utter disaster. I had to stop, something happened in, <laughs> in central Berlin, which is terrible, um, and I got to the finish line, I ran, I finished, and then I was running with a friend who was a bit slower, so he was coming in a bit later, and I remember getting into the finisher's tent and sitting down, and then uh, having to, and then somebody else would sit near me, and I had to keep on moving away from people. <laughs> so I was like, mm, "This is oh, uh, no. yeah, yeah, oh, it was a bad one. Oh, well, that's a bad so one." So the good yeah, news yeah, is, if we if yeah. we had any viewers or listeners up until this point, we probably lost them all. In all, that story, so all together. Th yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, mate. Be honest. Well, you <laughs> asked. Yeah, you I, asked. That's it. You get the answer. Bloody idiot. Yeah, I am. Anyway, over to you, Elise. What have you got? Mine's less gross, so that's good. <laughs> um, really just an absence of food. So um, I did the. I went out to Sierra Leone to do a marathon a few years ago, which was a comedy of errors, the whole trip in itself. But I got really sick beforehand, and mm. I just couldn't eat anything. And I remember getting to race morning, and I'd had a strand of spaghetti and half a can of Coke for about 48 hours. And as you can imagine, that wasn't very fun. And then Oof. afterwards, so the race was... I had to drop down to the half marathon because I was like, I feel terrible. There's no way I can do a full marathon, but... I'd Did you gone, consume anything en route or not? No, I'd gone such a long way to do it that I was going to at least have to yeah. do half. Yeah. But because it was hot, it started really early in the morning. So yeah. it still fit. It started like five o'clock in the morning. So I finished before eight. It was obviously a horrible half marathon for, for me. Yeah. And then the meal at the end was a goat curry. Oh, and I was just like, I've not eaten for days. I've just yeah. ran this race. It's seven o'clock in the morning. I've got a goat curry. <laughs> yeah. Nothing against goat curry. I'm sure it was delicious. I'm no, sure like it was delicious, but just at that time of the day. Goat curry, not at 7 a.m. I'd love a goat yeah. curry. Yeah, not and, 7 and, and not after not eating. And yeah. Then, does yeah. anybody else think that we should have a feature, which is just Elise's stories? Because like, <laughs> I reckon we could like do a whole, oh, we could do a whole, whole section of podcasts on this. On this. Yeah, yeah. Get Dave yeah. on. Get Dave yeah. on as well. Yeah. Get him a free lawnmower. Come in with his fine man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. going to tell a food story about Dave, but I'll save that for another time. Well, you'll have to come back again, dear listeners and watchers. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for sticking with us again for this episode of the National Running Show Pod Show in, in association with Runderwear. Please don't forget you can enter the competition, follow the show notes, it'll tell you what to do. Also, if you head to the Runderwear website, use the code PODSHOW for a 10% discount. Thank you very much for joining us. Join us next week for the last episode of this season. We look forward to hearing you or seeing you. That doesn't work like that, but you know, you know what we mean. See you then.
And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for watching. Please leave a review if you're listening and also like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what all your thoughts are if you're watching on YouTube. Oh, and don't forget that our sponsors, Runderwear, are giving away another £100. So please check out the notes in this podcast to find out how you can win and check out the first two episodes to see how you can enter those competitions.